Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Hello? Hey, Ryan. How's it going, man? Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. You remember Ryan McMahon. He was the top position player prospect on the Yard Goats at the beginning of the season, and he was the first player to get promoted to AAA Albuquerque from Hartford this year. Good, good. Um, so, t- so tell me, where are you right now? Where am I reaching you right now? Uh, we are in Denver. And Ryan McMahon is going to make his Major League debut. On August 11th, McMahon became the first 2017 Hartford Yard Goat to get promoted to the Major Leagues, to the Colorado Rockies. Tell me about that. How'd you get to Denver? Tell me the story. Well, we were in New Orleans playing uh, the Baby Cakes, and then uh, I got told after the game that I was going up to meet up with the big club. He had a great couple of months in Hartford, so much so that he was moved up to AAA Albuquerque. It was really funny, actually. The manager, Glenn Allen Hill, called me in and was kind of giving me crap for my base running because I had recently gotten thrown out at home. And he's like, you know, we got to work on that. You know, you can't be making those mistakes when you go up to the big leagues. And that was it. Hill just kind of let that hang there in the air until McMahon got it, that he was being called up to the Rockies. Yeah, apparently that's how he does it a lot. That's, that's like the Glenn Allen Hill way of doing it. He only did in Albuquerque. He was hit 375. Overall, 354 this year. It's been an extraordinary season for Ryan McMahon. I talked to McMahon on the last day of his first stint in the bigs. And there's the first big league hit for McMahon. What a time for it. A sharp single on an 0-2 pitch. And the Rockies have two men on and nobody out. It's interesting getting thrown in with this team, obviously, that's in a playoff push and in the hunt for, uh, for a playoff position. You know, so down to business, man. Uh, you know, very serious every day. We're, we're here playing to win. The Rockies have been bouncing back and forth between the first and second wildcard spots in the National League since July. They promoted McMahon for eight days in the middle of August, and then again as part of their September call-ups. It's just kind of like every level in baseball that you move up. It's just more and more consistent. So uh, you come to the game, you know, you're playing in and stuff like that. Boy, there's nothing like running down the first after your first major league hit. You feel like you're running on a, on a cloud. You, you don't even feel your feet touching the ground. He's gotten into nine games in the big league so far, and he's got two hits with a double and an RBI. Good for him. And as we said, timely. I felt confident in the things that, that I do, uh, you know, at the plate and defensively, that, that I could come up here and, and compete. I wouldn't say it's necessarily faster. It's a lot cleaner. You know, every, everybody takes care of their job and stuff like that. I asked McMahon up in the rarefied air of Denver what he thinks now about the time he spent playing in Hartford. And all he really talked about was Yard Goats manager Jerry Weinstein. Jerry's, like, big go-to line is, is there's two types of fun. There's, you know, the celebrating, you know, walk-off homers and, and winning games kind of fun. And then there's type two fun, which is taking extra ground balls and doing, doing all the extra hard work so that you can later have fun. Which is to say... Type 2 fun is the kind of fun that is uh, not fun at all. Now the 2-2 pitch is lifted toward left field and deep. Ender and Santana on the run. Nobody's going to get that. It bounces off the wall. So it's not fun while you're doing it, but it's going to lead to having fun times. 
Fun times like playing Major League Baseball for the Colorado Rockies. McMahon with his first RBI. That's Jerry's like big two go-to line, and you know, I, it really hit me when he when he explained that to me and stuff. So you know, just helped me stay locked in and and work hard through all the tough times. So so when you're taking grounders and when you're working out and all that stuff, that's what you're thinking is is this is how I get to the other kind of fun. Yeah, it's not fun right now, but it's it's going to help it be fun later, right? And that one almost a two-run homer. First RBI for McMahon. And he's in scoring position now for Alexi Amaristo. From WNPR, this is the second first season, a behind-the-scenes podcast about the making of a baseball team on a year-long do-over. I'm Jonathan McNichol. Type 2 fun is a Jerry Weinstein coinage if I've ever heard one. He has all these little self-contradictory terms he uses, words like simplexity, or this one he has for a pitch that could be a strike or a ball, a straball. And it's not just these seemingly nonsensical little chestnuts either. There are deeper contradictions in the manager that is Jerry Weinstein. He never played professional baseball, he never even tried to, but he has such a deep knowledge of the game that he makes a point of keeping the players aware that every piece of advice he gives them could be, well, wrong. He's made a life out of teaching and coaching and developing baseball players, and the philosophy he's crafted rests mostly on empowering the players to teach and coach and develop themselves. He says repeatedly that his job is to eliminate his job, and it turns out that in one more little act of contradiction, his first season as manager of the Hartford Yard Goats will be Jerry Weinstein's final season as the manager of any baseball team. No question, Jerry's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. This is Chris Forbes, manager of player development for the Colorado Rockies. He's extremely detail-oriented. He's got a great field awareness and vision of the field. Obviously, it takes quite a bit of time to acquire that. When Forbes says quite a bit of time, he's kind of underselling it. Jerry Weinstein's first year as a professional baseball coach was 1966, when he managed UCLA's freshman team. That's 52 seasons ago. Well, you know, if you count, like I was 15 and playing Pony League in West L.A. and coaching Little League in Beverly Hills, if you count that, it's... Even more. Yeah. Weinstein is 73 years old. The last he played was in college, and he looks like he's still in great shape, but at the same time, he's slight. His uniform pants hang loose. He's 5'7", a small guy with thick-rimmed glasses. In a dugout full of big, young baseball players and big, middle-aged former baseball player coaches... Weinstein almost looks like he doesn't belong. The intriguing thing about Jerry is he's a lifelong learner, and he can look at a different angle on things, and he can pick up a new drill, or he can pick up a new terminology. He's managed or coached at pretty much every level, high school and college, the minor leagues and the major leagues, the Olympics. This year he managed Team Israel at the World Baseball Classic. He is always polishing his craft. He is always learning something. Weinstein has been in the Rockies organization for 11 seasons. He coached in the majors, but AA is the highest professional level where he's ever managed a team. Still, Jerry Weinstein is maybe the only yard goat I've talked to who really isn't trying to get to the big leagues. You know, I've been there and done that, and it was my desire to come back to the minor leagues because it's not about me winning and building my resume so uh, and, and climbing on the shoulders of the players. It's basically my job is to eliminate my job and to help the players achieve what they want to achieve. So I think that with the young guys, the way have so much room to improve that you can have a greater impact. He just points stuff out that you're like, wow, you, 
he's just the knowledge of the game that he has is, is unbelievable. This is Dom Nunez, a catcher on the Yard Goats. You sit back, come in the dugout, and you sit back, you're like, yeah, yeah that is the, the different to look at it from that perspective. So, well, I, it's kind of like guided discovery. You know, and I'm really a big believer in the Socratic method of teaching. And what do you think? I mean, he when he's on the top step right there, he's locked in the game like someone, like nobody I've ever met in my life. I mean, he does not miss a play, I promise. They're going to go through a player development environment where they're going to get good information, they're going to get average information, and they may get bad information. They better have a filter to know which is which works for them. Sometimes a little overwhelming for guys. I mean, every single play he's turning around and, and pointing out, you know, what, well, we should have done better, blah, blah, blah. But they understand that I may be right and I may be wrong, but my intent is to help them and not help me. And, and the information is, is handed out with good intent. But every, you know, there's no always or nevers in this game. There's not one thing that works for everybody, and you've got to figure out what works for you. And they're going to have to make subtle little esoteric adjustments continually in this game, and they can't, they can't depend upon the coach to do it. It's pretty special. I think the number one thing... Is just the accountability that he holds you to, um, the high standard that he holds me to, because I think he knows how good I can be. Nunez is really good, really good. Probably, the well, for sure, the youngest catcher in this league. Really mature, not sensitive, knows how to filter information. At the beginning of the season, 22-year-old Dom Nunez was widely thought to be the second-best position player prospect in Hartford, behind only Ryan McMahon. Left-hand hitter with power. You know, and, and he can hit fastballs on the inner half of the plate. And, and people know that. It's the and people know that part that's really shown up in Nunez's performance this season. And so, consequently, they pitch him away and throw him a lot of off-speed pitches away, and he has not yet uh, mastered the ability to handle that type of pitch. If you looked at the back of Nunez's proverbial baseball card at his 2017 season, the first thing you'd probably notice is that he's hit 202. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Dom Nunez hasn't hit double-A pitching this year. Jeffrey Paternostra writes about prospects for baseball prospectus. You know, he can run into one every once in a while. There's some power, and he knows the strike zone very well. These are all good things. These are all, like, sort of projectable things that you'd think would serve him well even at this level, but it's just, it doesn't pop. And from what I've seen, there's not a ton of bat speed. The contact's not particularly loud. But the thing I keep coming back to is catchers are weird. Catchers have so many defensive responsibilities, managing the pitching staff, calling a game, just the day-to-day, you know, knowing the hitters, knowing your pitchers. There's so much sort of mental space, mental energy taken up with that. You know, you still have to go out and take BP every day. You have to figure out how to hit the opposing team's pitchers. There's the daily grind of being a catcher. It's the you know, the most physically demanding position on the diamond day in and day out. For me, I'm never going to touch the big leagues. If, if, if I can't catch, then that's, that's my game, you know. So I spend a lot of time back there, whether it's doing drills uh, with Jerry. We spend a lot of time in the cage, off the machine, out here on the field, doing bunt defenses, doing plays at the plate, stuff like that, you know. And Nunez is in good hands doing drills with Jerry Weinstein. When Weinstein did play 50-something years ago, he played catcher. Coaching catchers has been a focus of his career ever since. When he was a coach in the big leagues for two seasons, he was the Rockies' catching coach. And in 2014, he wrote a book, the sort of soft-cover textbook, The Complete Handbook of Coaching Catchers. Jerry Weinstein literally wrote the book on coaching catchers. 
I call it simplexity. What I tell you. You know, we want to keep it simple, but there's some complex elements, especially from a pitch calling standpoint. Weinstein's full of all these little nuggets of wisdom about catching. Like that for the first pitch after a pitching change, the catcher should almost always call an off-speed pitch. Well, because if you watch games and whenever a catcher goes out or when a pitching coach comes out, a high percentage of the time the next pitch is a fastball. A lot of times, you know, they really gear up for fastballs, and if you can throw an off-speed pitch, you know, that, that will help you in that situation. Or like that for the first pitch of an inning, the catcher should almost never have to put a sign down to call the pitch. The pitcher and the catcher should figure it out in the dugout beforehand. Hey, who's coming up? And Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health. You know, what's the situation, how we're going to attack him, you know, so that preparation, so we're not just winging it out there. And one of my favorites, it's Jerry's thought that when a pitcher is angry, when he's mad about his own performance or something a hitter did or a call an umpire made or whatever, the catcher should try to use that anger to motivate the pitcher. Yeah, some guys, some guys, you know, when they get pissed and they turn their energizer up and they're better. Yeah, they make it work for them. And some guys don't, you know. And sometimes when we see a guy... You know, in, in rage, we think, oh, hey, now calm down. Well, maybe he, maybe he operates best when when he's at that level of arousal. You know, it, and again, that's knowing your individual pitchers. So the catcher is like a psychologist. I mean, it's, I guess what I'm really interested in is the catcher's part of, like, the, almost part of the coaching staff. He's a psychologist. I mean, you're knowing the personalities of, of your, the people you're dealing with, not just not just pitchers, but anybody on the team because right. you're, you're basically the quarterback. You know, you're looking out at the defense and you know and you're pretty much running the show he's the bridge between the coaching staff and the team this was a monday afternoon in late august the opening day of a series against the altoona curve i'd met weinstein at the park at about 11 in the morning but i'm told he gets there most days by 10 on the days of night games which are most of the days in the baseball season that makes for a 12 or 13 hour work day at 73. One for five. Six for 15. The player's day starts by one with meetings and practices and workouts, lots of type two fun. Yes. And the catchers probably have the heaviest workload in part because while the players are partly responsible for developing themselves, the catchers are also partly responsible for developing the pitchers. Too bad misses both out of the ballpark. This was about 1.30 and Dom Nunez was catching a simulated game for pitcher Craig Schlitter a second-half call-up from the high-A Lancaster Jethawks. He's had some struggles here. You know, he hasn't had, from talking to the manager and pitching coach in Lancaster, you know, what they said he could do, he has not done what he can do here. 
yet. Schlitter won 10 games in the first half of the season and was leading the high A California League in wins and innings pitched when he was promoted to double A. After the call-up, he had an ERA over 10, over eight starts. He hasn't had a good location, and quality of his pitches have not been great, and he's been working. You know, when, he, when he, he's gone out there, I think command's been a little off. You want every guy that you catch to, to do good, and even if they're having rough days, they don't have their best stuff, your job just becomes that much more important to try and get them through however many innings we can get through and keep the game in and reach. And so Nunez and his manager and some other guys are out early in the afternoon working with Schlitter on his command. Seven for 20. The idea with the drill is to throw 20 pitches against hitters and hit your spots to hit the catcher's glove with as many pitches as possible. Yeah, within like a three to six inch radius of my glove. Um, maybe in high A and low A, you know, when you miss your spot, you get away with it a little bit more. The hitters here are definitely another, another pretty close to big league hitters, I would say. Um, they take care of mistakes. Also, zones are bigger, too. I think umpire zones are smaller at this level. I know they are because being behind the plate, um, definitely a little bit a little bit tighter. Catchers, of course, have to have a real fluency with the strike zone, and skills in this area are just becoming more and more important. Because one of the major trends I think we've seen recently in player development and sort of across Major League Baseball is the emphasis on catcher receiving or catcher framing. This is Jeffrey Paternostro from Baseball Prospectus. The ability to keep borderline strike strikes and to make borderline ball strikes, essentially. You know, usually in a game, three or four pitches determine the outcome of, of, a, of a ball game. And so, you know, it might be as subtle as, you know, that pitch could have been a strike or could have been a ball. Mm, here it is. I call them straw balls. They could be strikes, could be balls. You're going to catch, in a given season as a catcher, 2,500 pitches. You're talking about fractional runs on any given pitch, but it, it adds up over the long haul. And some of the command stuff bleeds into some of the framing stuff with the idea that command might be you're making strikes that are easier for the catcher to catch and also aren't in the middle of the plate. So there's an interaction between the catcher framing the pitch and the pitcher putting it in a spot where the catcher can frame it. Essentially what we're talking about is fooling umpires, but to present the pitch as a strike or in some cases present a strike as a strike and not make it look like a ball the actual physical tools you know soft hands the way you receive the way you move your body as the pitch comes in even the way you set up for it he's a really good pitch catcher he gets a lot of marginal pitches especially low balls for strikes now because we do the metrics on him. he's one of the best guys if not the best guy in our organization now he's starting to get the high ball he's catching a little bit more up to the plate and manipulating it into the zone so there's 134 catchers in double a baseball this year dom nunez by our numbers ranks fourth in his defensive contributions. Uh, and a lot of that, the vast majority of that is tied up in his ability to frame strikes. He's been worth, in total, 11 runs above average defensively. That's incredibly valuable to a team. The general rule of thumb is that every 10 runs add up to a win, which would translate to Don Nunez being responsible for more than a whole yard goat's win, based almost just on his ability to make the pitches he catches look like strikes. When you catch it, you kind of know it's a ball, but maybe for him, from his perspective or pitcher's perspective, it looks like a strike, you know. And I try to make it good, look as good as possible and, and try and do my job to get a strike. And it's, I mean, that honestly, that's probably the, the most fun thing about being a catcher is that, that part of the game is that I can do that. 
there was a, an early law, sort of a baseball analysis called Nichols' Law of Catcher Defense, which said that a catcher's defensive reputation will be inversely proportional to how well he hits. Sort of the idea that if this guy doesn't hit, well, he must be a good defensive catcher, or, or why else would he be playing Major League Baseball? And it was kind of seen as a, as a snarky thing. Well, as it turns out, that is in many cases true. But still, a 202 batting average is a 202 batting average. I asked Chris Forbes from the Rockies what they're thinking about it. He's doing a very mature thing at the plate, being able to separate at bats from what he does behind the plate. And even at the plate, I, I like where his swing is at. He's seen the ball well, taking his walks. You know, So it's just probably hopefully a matter of time before we get him to where he feels comfortable and consistent. I don't even know if you would answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you, are you worried at all? Uh, no. No, not right now. I mean, I'm pretty comfortable telling you I don't think Dom Nunez is going to be an above-average major league hitter. I'm less comfortable telling you he's not going to be an above-average major league catcher. But there's 30 major league catchers, man, and it's a very difficult job to fill. And the fact that Dom Nunez can even do it in double-A, I think, says something about him as a player. Joe was traded. Kramer's hurt. Matheson is away and chase up. By 2.30, with more than seven hours and a 2 to nothing loss still left in their workday, Jerry Weinstein and his catchers had moved on to a different version of Type 2 fun, a meeting to go over Altoona's roster, looking for strengths to avoid and weaknesses to exploit. Reyes, bunter runner. Matheson will bunt and run. In the morning, I'd asked Weinstein about next year, about what he planned to do at age 74. You know, I think at this point I'm going to, you know, maybe look for plan B. You know, uh, I think dragging my wife around uh, for 142 games might be something that's not in the cards. Jerry and his wife Andrea have been married for 50 years, for almost all of his baseball career. He won't coach again next year, but he plans to stay in baseball, maybe in player development, probably doing a fair amount of speaking. Maybe he'll even write another book. Who knows? You know, I'm not a golfer. I like to work out. I like to read. I like to write. I'm a pretty shallow person. I get this one cylinder. And plus, I think when you get older, you got to, you, your, your brain gets a little stiff. And if you don't do something, <laughs> you're in jeopardy to, to, to be a babbler. And, and, you know, being around young players, young coaches, and also mentoring coaches and players, not only baseball, but, you know, this is a life you know, a life experience, you know, it's, you know, there is life after baseball, even though I haven't found it. Suchi uh, is still here, got a lot of strikeouts, probably close to 50% strikeouts, slow bat. Hard in. Yeah, hard in. Coming up on the second first season. And they were out of it. I'm like, how can you be out of pork roll? You're in the middle of something. It's not an artisanal product. <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe. April feels like it's seven years ago when we opened this building up and brought people fans into it and this episode of the second first season was edited by jeff cohen and katie tolarski heather brandon is the digital editor katie tolarski is the executive producer the sports highlights in this episode featured drew goodman george frazier and jeff hewson on at&t sportsnet rocky mountain and chip carey and joe simpson on fox sports southeast our theme song is by the great jim chapdelaine you can find the second first season on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and we're on the web at wnpr.org slash second first you can find me on Twitter at McNichol Pants. The second first season is a production of WNPR. I'm Jonathan McNichol.